Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. We're finishing up our series on All In, where we ask you total middle school style, will you go yes or no? Did anybody else actually put that note in somebody's locker in middle school? Yeah, and get a turn back negatively? Yeah, I did too. Hopefully not today though, hopefully not today. Um, Do you wanna be a stakeholder here at Northeast? And here is what that means. It means living generously. That means giving something that matters to something that matters and that amount is different and meaningful to each household, but it's funding what we do here at this church and through our partners. Serving sacrificially, that's on the weekend or through one of our partnerships throughout our entire city. Engaging in the church through community. That is weekends, a great place to start on that, but growing closer and building relationships through serve teams, It's through small groups, it's through mid-sized groups, it's through men's and women's mentoring as well. Having a rule of life, that's practicing rhythms and restrictions that grow our relationship with God. A Love the Ville playbook, that's unleashing the love of Jesus every day, everybody, everywhere, in our home, our workplace, our city, in our church. And it's supporting the mission, vision, values of Northeast, that's love for neighbor, faithfulness to the truth, mission, intentionality, intimacy with God, and public witness, and then to the last thing on the list is sharing my faith with people outside the church. We walk the walk, we serve, we love, and we're ready to talk the talk when the time is right. And most of the time, that just means sharing what Jesus has done for you. All right? Everybody ready? Ready to go? Now, students, I'm excited. We're going to have a a stakeholder program very specifically for you guys. It's going to be coming up in the fall. They're working on that, and so don't sign up for this one. We have one waiting just for you, high schoolers, uh, that we want you all to engage in, okay? But we want you to hear exactly what's going on so you could be ready. Was anybody else overwhelmed when that list went up? To be honest, I was a little bit at first. I was. Because if you remember, uh, years ago when we started this whole stakeholder idea, we asked for three things. It was uh, generosity serving and community, and now there's four new things added to the list. What do you all want from me? (laughs) Actually, the question is different. It's what do we want for you? And I hope we can talk about that today. Will you all pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you for us as we gather together. Lord, we are your children, and you've welcomed us into your family. Lord, you've given us your grace You've given us salvation. You are our hope and our joy, and you've called us to be disciples. Lord, help us to understand more fully what that means. Lord, I pray you encourage us and challenge us this morning. I pray for the unity of our church today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, I've had the honor of being around for some of the great milestones of this place, of this church. 
I'll never forget Northeast's 25th anniversary back in 2002 as we went down to the palace, the Louisville Palace downtown, and we celebrated our 25th anniversary. And it was great as Bob Cherry gave 100 people $100 and said, I want you to use this, multiply this, pray over this, use it for the kingdom. And it was amazing to see that $10,000 turn around to be over $150,000 in ministry just that year. I look back on that time as seeing some of the seeds being planted for the Loveville movement, don't you? And it was awesome. Some of those ministries that started back then still continue today. Has anybody heard of our PB&J ministry? We pack bags and take them. Yeah, some people make them PB&J sandwiches all. Every week we take them down to the homeless in our downtown that started back there at that moment. There was also this really cool moment that happened as we handed out these pin lights to everybody as they came in. And this was a moment that happened near the end of that service. Let's watch it. Doesn't he look young? If you found, if you found Jesus Christ here at Northeast, or if you have recommitted your life to him here at Northeast, in this silence, I want you to light your light and hold it up for all to see as high as you can. Now, if your life has been changed in some way or another because of, uh, of the ministry of Northeast, raise your light and hold it up as high as you can see. And I just want you to stand and I want you to look and I wish you could see the balcony as well. I want you to look. And you know what I want to say to that? Yay, God. Mm. Wow. I had the honor of raising my pen up. Yeah. With over 2,000 people 21 years ago. Anybody else in here who were a part of that moment? It's something you'll never forget, right? You'll never forget it. Hmm. 21 years ago. Then I remember in 2009, we were running out of space on the other side of the road in our services. And so we grabbed a different kind of stake, a different kind of stakeholder moment, and we staked out the boundary of our new building in the parking lot. Is anybody else here for that? Remember that moment. That was also the exact same time where we came alongside our Clifton campus. Down off Frankfurt Avenue, Clifton Christian Church, we started pouring in to that church and in that community, and we started the Love 40206, and we have seen that community continue to grow and thrive as they have been Jesus to Frankfurt Avenue, and we're so excited to see how they continue to grow down there. Then seven years ago was another one of those moments when founding pastor Bob Cherry, who baptized me as a young man, and I had the privilege of working with for 15 years, handed the baton of leadership over to a really young Tyler McKenzie. And for the record, I had no idea back then that I would love and respect Tyler as much as I do Bob. But I do. And can we be thankful? Are we all thankful for Tyler's leadership? Two weekends after that, in May of 2016, 
We said if your family was in here at Northeast, if you are home here at Northeast, we want, to take, we want you to take a light bulb. And many of you marked it with your name or a scripture or a date that you were baptized, something meaningful, and you put it in our Jesus' why wall. And for the past seven years, those who have been baptized here have continued to add to that wall. And we're so thankful that it is almost filled up. What are we going to do when we fill it up? Well, we've got some ideas, but we can't wait until that happens. Others have asked, what happens when people's light bulbs go out? <laughs> we pray for those people. <laughs> In September of 2018, we started using the phrase stakeholder instead of member. And then we did that not just to be cool or different because a stakeholder is someone who is actively engaged in the movement. And you could even belong before you believed. And we wanted people who were engaged in generosity, service, and community. And so many thousands of you all stepped up and moved. Remember, we had the big chess piece over there, and everybody got those little chess pieces. So many of you, it meant for the first time that you joined a small group, or it meant you served in a ministry uh, and one of our partner schools were in another part of the city that you never even knew you would love, but now you do. Or maybe you stepped up in generosity in a way that you never thought you could. And as you look back on those moments, we see those moments where people moved. And today I see us standing at the edge of another one of those moments where we ask you, the people of Northeast, to make a commitment or a recommitment to God and to this church. And so this is the list. This is what we're asking. And Tyler did an incredible job of going through all these things last week. If you didn't get to see last week's service, I encourage you to go, go online and watch as he did a, an incredible job painting a picture of what these meant. And today I don't want to necessarily go back and talk about the what. I want to talk about the why. Why do we want these things for you, the people of Northeast? Without the sake of sounding really corny, Jesus is why. It was his great commission to us that he gave in Matthew 28 where he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if you remember, the making disciples is the main verb of this verse, and the going to all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. It supports what it means to make disciples, and we want to make disciples. It almost seems too obvious to say, but being a disciple is more than just coming to a church service once a week, or every couple weeks, let's be honest. It's a good start, but there's more to it. Being, more, being a disciple means more than just serving once a month. It's a good start but there's more to it. It means more than just giving once or twice or even consistently. It's a great start, but there is more to it. You know, we don't want to read our Bibles so we can crush a, a category in jeopardy. We don't want to mulch schools because it gives us likes and cred on our social media. We don't want to fill this room with passionate people so we can brag about how many people are on a roll. We want to make disciples that are connected to Jesus. Disciples that can survive and disciples that can thrive. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which many people say and many people think is the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus ends it with this very well-known story. 
says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a crash. Do you recognize how many similarities these two different people had? It said that both of them heard his words. That means both of them were around to hear what Jesus had to say. The difference was what they did with that. One of them put the words into practice and built his house on a rock. The other did not put his words into practice and built his house on the sand. And by the way, the people hearing this for the very first time would have realized how dumb the second guy was. They knew that you don't build anything you want lasting on sand. And they also knew where the sand was is where those waters flowed through really hard when it rained last time. And so really bad move, second dude. But did you also hear the other similarity? That they both went through a storm. That the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against both of the houses. I think the last few years, for all of us, has proven that none of us are immune to storms. Right? Doesn't matter how big your bank account is, to how big your friendship circle is, to how secure you are in your life, none of us are immune to storms. Not even faith and holiness are some magical shield that can protect us from trouble. And for some of us, we can identify with the old famous inkblot song that says, into each life some rain must fall, but too much has fallen in mine. Where it's not just the waters and the winds, but it's been the loss of someone you love. Where it's been the betrayal of a friend or the division of your family, where you've experienced a job loss or the sting and shame of divorce, that rain has fallen in your life. And if that's you, I just want to remind you, it's when Peter walked out on the water to Jesus where he saw the wind and the waves and he started sinking. And he cried out to Jesus to save him and Jesus saved him. If you're sinking right now, you can always cry out to Jesus. Even if every time in your life up till now you've built your house on the sand, it's never too late. Storms will come. Jesus says, if you are my disciple, you will follow me. If you put my words into practice, you'll make it through. And it's easy for me to say this stuff. Because to be honest with you, I've felt little rain in my life. I have. I thank God for it every day. But I know that this is true because I know real disciples who have gone through things I can't imagine and their faith is still standing. I think of Forrest. You know Forrest? Uh, he's had issues with his legs for years now. And through that entire time, he's rolled through these doors into this church. 
And uh, he only let me put his picture up here if I said he is the chief of sinners. So he's a humble dude. He's a humble dude. Um, and I know there have been hard moments, and I know there have been tears, and there have been, there's been pain. Um, but boy, there's joy when we see Forrest walk in here on his legs now. Have you seen it the last few weeks? Yeah. For sure. Um, just a few weeks ago, another man in our church named Chris. This is a picture of Chris. I'm glad you're here today, Chris. Man. Healthy guy. Um, one of our parking volunteers. He had his own storm as a blood clot in his foot required them to amputate his right leg. As I and others from the church stood by his hospital bed, I couldn't imagine myself in your spot. I told you that. Couldn't imagine. But I know somebody who could. And I told Chris, man, down the road, there's somebody at church you need to meet. There's this guy I know you need to meet. Because if I thought anybody could give him hope and peace, it would be Forrest. And so thankful, 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 because a lot of prayer and very skilled surgeons. Chris is now in rehab, learning to live with his new normal. Um, and on his first day of rehab, who rolled up to him and said hi? He told me last week it was Forrest, right? He didn't even know it was the Forrest I, the guy I was talking about. Instead, Chris told me after he left, the whole staff was like, man, Forrest, he's the best. He's the hardest worker up here. Great attitude. He is a light. Well, last week, Chris came to church for the first time. I even said, are you allowed to be here? You're like, I don't know. We're making it up as we go along. <laughs> People from the parking team were hugging him, just praying with him. Um, and who wheels over to say, you look familiar. His brother in Christ, Forrest. I know that Forrest, and I know Chris, you guys have some hard times ahead. This isn't the last storm. But I know that the smile that you had on your face was the smile of a house still standing. I want to be like you. I do. I want to be like Forrest. I want to have the faith of some of the people who are sitting around you right now who have lost their most important person, who have dealt, been dealt the hardest hand, who have suffered what we can't imagine, and they're still holding on to Jesus. And that is a faith that is not microwave. That is a brisket in a smoker. <laughs> it takes time. And that's why that rule of life is so important, the rhythms that helped us connect to God daily, restrictions that help us resist that popular culture. We want to make disciples that can survive those kinds of storms. We also want to make disciples that can thrive. And we believe that we can thrive when we're unleashing Jesus' love in our lives. Romans 12, 2, 12, 1 and 2 was the verse that Tyler started this series with. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. And this is one of those upside down kind of scriptures. 
This is one of those first will be last kind of things because it says if you give yourself as a living sacrifice. And sacrifices are supposed to be dead, but God says, no, you're living your best life when you're living it for me. You are no more alive than when you're living for me. Jesus said in Matthew 10, whoever finds their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. When we intentionally live our lives for Jesus, he doesn't erase us or absorb us into the Borg. He frees us to be exactly who he created us to be. That's why I love the Love the Ville playbook, because it's intentionality. It's we're doing the things intentionally that we feel Jesus has made us to be. How are you unleashing Jesus' love in your home, your work, your city, your church? And if we're doing this stuff right, it should be life-giving. Can I share a few with mine? My wife hates when I share these, but um, this is my playbook. And I want to share it because it's so simple. Uh, For my home, that I'll love my wife like only I can. And here's the real spiritual, deep theological ways I love my wife. Being near her at bedtime, that I'm not somewhere else off in the house doing whatever else, and my wife goes to bed every night knowing that I love her. And then making the bed in the morning, that's a new one for me because it's the most unnatural thing in my life. Anybody else completely hate making a bed? Oh, yeah. But your spouse wants it the other way every time, right. Um, So even though it's hard, I know what it means to her, and so I do it as much as I can. So that's it. How theologically deep is that? It's not. Here's, what, here's my kids. My youngest is 18 now. Um, we have pulled their arrows back, and now we're just watching them fly. And here's my two with them. I will always answer their phone calls. They never go to voicemail. Uh, that's how important they are to me. They need to know that I'll answer no matter what. Uh, and then I will always say yes when they ask to spend time with me. If my son wants to take me to a ball game, yes. If my youngest son wants me to go to a movie with him, yes. I will go spend time with them whenever they ask because I will never turn them down. They will always get that priority. How do I know it's in my playbook? I've got it written down. Uh, Not deep, not theological, but it's doing the things that I know are going to make my house what it needs to be. Uh, Here's one for my city. Uh, Two things under that. Um, Anybody else have a street where neighbors will pull in, they'll go right into their garage, garage door goes down, you never see them? Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be a guy who's out on the street, and if I ever see a neighbor on the street, I will always talk to them before going inside. If I pull up and the kids are out there playing, I'm going to stand there and talk to them. If I'm taking the garbage out and I see somebody else, I'm going to stand there and talk to them uh, because I want to love my neighbor. And how do you love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor? Uh, That's a simple thing for me. Uh, Chaplain for the South Oldham football and wrestling teams at the high school. Uh, I love that. I love being able to influence those kids and and to, uh, to be there for those coaches and as my life gets busier and busier, this gets harder and harder, but I will chop that piece of my calendar out and lock it down and I say, I'm not moving that because I know what it means to those teams and I know how it fills me up. And I feel like when we're doing this stuff, we're unleashing Jesus' love, it fills us. It fills us to the brim. It fills me to the brim. And that's what we want for every single one of you, to live intentionally the way that you love The way that you plan your schedule, the priorities you have, are you putting the people in the things that matter most? That's what the Love the Bill playbook means. 
and the church we want to become. Tyler walked through these last week. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. That we want to be an equipping hub that trains people to unleash Jesus' love in their everyday lives. That when you go from this place, you feel like you've been springboarded off into ready to unleash the love of Jesus. Number two, we'll build a robust communal rule of life so our people will grow in intimacy with God. You've heard this before. That's what we want to do, those rhythms and restrictions. We'll ensure every person can name their pastor and friends within the church. When you hit a difficult time, we want you to know who you can call. We want you to have relationships deep and strong in the people that you attend this church with. We will continue to build our reputation as the Love the Ville Church through our social concern. When I meet with pastors all over this city, they're like, we love that Love the Ville stuff you guys do. We're making a name for ourselves in this city, and we're not going to rest on our laurels. We're going to keep turning up the heat every time we get a chance, and we're going to love the Ville. There will be a multi-ethnic congregation. We want our stage to look like our church, to look like our community, to look like what heaven's going to look like one day. And that's not all one color or just a few. It's all of them, and we want to be a church that looks like that. Next, we'll facilitate unity among diverse churches in the Ville. We want to answer Jesus' prayer of John 17, that we be one as he and his Father are one, and that we have a unity together, and that we are all on the same team. That's the kind of church we want to be. We'll invest disproportionately in the discipling our youth, especially the most committed. We know they're our next generation, and we want to pour into them. And then finally, we will create thoughtful and beautiful expressions of the kingdom for our community when we sing the songs that we sing, when the videos that we make go out of this place. We want to touch and move hearts and turn people towards Jesus. And I heard the excitement last week, and I saw all the nods as Tyler walked through this vision of this church that we want to be. Because who doesn't want to be a part of a church like that? Who doesn't? But it's important to realize that becoming that community requires more of us than just talking about these targets. We can't just declare them and expect them to happen. And while our staff is strategically planning and working to make these things a reality, it'll only happen if each and every person who calls Northeast their home only happen if our stakeholders really live them out. And if we want to truly know and understand God's word, it's going to take more than just attending the 15 Bible study weekends that we have. No, it's committing to that regular rhythm in our life, studying and connecting with his word. If we want to disproportionately invest in the next generation, we can't simply participate in a few programs to send our kids to camp. We need to take an active role in leading and teaching our children in our homes every day. And as a community, we aspire to be a people of unceasing prayer. And I hope you've been moved by the two prayer services we've had so far this year. Have you all been here for those? It's a different atmosphere in this room, isn't it? It's a different place. Yeah, we've got eight more of those planned for the rest of the year. But it needs more than that. It needs us talking to God and life-giving prayer all through the week. These targets are exciting, but they won't become a reality because a few staff people prioritize them. They'll only be achieved when this community makes them part of our everyday lives. When we start living out these values in our lives, our family, this church, our city will start to change as we start to see God's kingdom come and his will be done right here in the Ville as it is in heaven. Those of you who are ready to lock arms with us are stakeholders. And I believe that God is just getting started with this church.
There's been a lot of talk lately about revival, hasn't there? What, what we saw happen at Asbury is awesome. What we've seen happen in this place for a few weeks has been amazing. But did you know there was another massive revival just over 100 years ago? Um, it was in February of 1905. And it was reported that over 40,000 men and women came to Jesus all over our country. But Louisville was one of the epicenters of it. Did you know that? Right here in the Ville, it is said that 50,000 people heard the gospel in the streets of our city. Isn't that cool? I found this article. Actually, it was given to me by one of our partner church pastors. And we prayed over it right then and there. It said, can, can this happen again, God? Uh, this was written, an article written in a Chicago paper called The Advance on March 16, 1905 by a guy named John S. Calhoun, and I want to read a good part of it because I can hear the heartbeat of the Love the Ville Church in this article written in 1905. I want you to see if you can hear it as well. It said, the whole city seemed to be breathing a spiritual atmosphere doesn't that describe what we've experienced in this room? Well, imagine that across the entire city of Louisville. It was very easy to speak to the unsaved about their soul's salvation. They expected it. Everywhere, in shop and store, in the mill and factory, in the office and the home and on the street, salvation was the main topic of conversation. Even the actors and actresses hastened at the close of their plays to the meetings. All classes were under the power of the Spirit. In the meetings, men of wealth and intelligence and men who had spent the greater part of their lives in prison cells came shoulder to shoulder to a common mercy seat. Here and there you would see ladies dressed in the height of fashion arise to their feet and with them would rise their poor sisters dressed in the garments of poverty all alike forgetful of their surroundings, intent only on one thing needful, the salvation of their souls. Wow, did you hear it? In the home, work, city, streets, the diversity, the humility, the Holy Spirit, people hungry for the real life that can only be found in Jesus, hungry for salvation. When we unleash Jesus' love in these areas, when we walk the walk and we're ready to talk the talk, when we love and serve those who are around us, this can happen. I believe it can happen again. I believe that this whole city can be moved by the Spirit and by us living our lives for him. I believe God is calling the churches of the Ville to lead the way in this. Will you be with us? Will you be with us? This is the stakeholder covenant. You'll put your name, your email. It reminds us Jesus is why. To unleash the love of Jesus every day, everybody, everywhere, homework, place, city, and church. And then the next screen is this. Here's what you're committing to. I commit to being a Northeast stakeholder by living generously serving sacrificially, engaging in church community, practicing a rule of life, loving the Ville intentionally in the home, city, workplace, and church, supporting the mission, vision, values of Northeast, sharing my faith with people outside the church. These are the things we want for you. And then you click that little box. I've read and entered this covenant. And when you've prayed over it, 
when you said, yeah, that's, that's, that's a commitment I want to make, then you hit that submit button. Right now, the QR code that we're putting up on the side screen is the way to access that. Or you can just go to necchurch.org slash stakeholder. It'll take you to the same page. Right now, you can go ahead and get to that. Um, if you need a, a paper copy, we do have a few out at the kiosks. This is the easiest way to do it. But we don't want you to do it lightly. I seriously want you to bring that up and pray over that list. Because for many of you all, you'll be like, yes, already there. Let's go 100%. For some of you, there might be one or two things on there that doesn't describe your life right now. Where it's going to be a challenge for you. Where you're going to have to change some things to say, yeah, I'm going to commit. It's our hope that you do it. Whether one or a hundred, we know God is going to use those who commit to go all in here to change this city, to change this world. Our band's going to play for a little bit, and I really do want you to take time and pray over it. And once you've committed, then I, as we spend a little bit more time in worship, I want you to be praying for the people around you. I want you to be praying for the unity of this church. I want you to be praying for the folks who don't yet know Jesus, but we're going we're gonna to bring them into his salvation and into his family because we're going to share his love with them. Let's pray for the people that aren't here yet. God is moving in this place. God is moving through you, and we pray that he uses this place to change the film. Will you pray with me? Dear God, make us bold right now. Make us humble right now. We pray for unity right now. God, may you use the people in this church in this next season of our life to make a real and meaningful change of the lives of those who we love, who don't yet know you. May the decisions we make today make a real and meaningful difference in our lives, in our families, and we can point back to this moment and say, that's where I went all in. That's where I decided that you were worth it. Lord, I pray for today. Help us, just, help us to choose you. Help us to be all in. In Jesus' name, amen.